Welcome to episode 12 of Learning with Young Leaders. We release a new episode every Wednesday to learn from young leaders who share their stories and experiences for you to bring your life to the next level. Listen in to hear how many of these guests discover their passion and drive in life that allows them to do well at what they love best. In this episode, we have Tadius, founder of The Bullish Agency, where they help stock market coaches grow and scale their businesses. Tadius shares about how he got interested in entrepreneurship, how he managed to find his passion, and some advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and support us by sharing this with whoever would benefit from it. If you wish to connect with like-minded individuals, do join our LinkedIn group as well. Now, let's learn more about digital marketing from Tadius. Hi, Tadius. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for inviting. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on as one of the guests. And you're working in a very niche market. So from what I understand, you are helping stock market coaches grow and scale their businesses. Am I right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So before we dive into the specifics of how that is going, why don't you bring us through how you actually got involved in the space and how you chanced upon this opportunity? Okay, it went, it was way back like, before I started. So it, it started off after army. After when I ORD, I was trying to find what, what should I do to spend my time wisely. And that was, I decided to pick up new skills, which is investing at, at the point of time. So I went to this education company to go and learn how to invest and all that. But then actually I got the opportunity to, to, to intern at that company as well. Just by like, I think it's by luck lah. Then along the way, I took on the role as a uh, intern for, for being a marketer. So that's where I learned how to do digital marketing, video ads, so on and so forth. Like basically getting leads into seminars and workshops. So after that, I was, basically I, at the point of time, I was interested in many, many things. I was interested in marketing, uh, in investing at the same point in time. And then I realized I actually had um, some decent results from investing uh, in, in the stock market. And at the same time also, I wanted to do things on myself because the people there, they were generally very entrepreneurial entrepreneurial because it was a startup everyone was like doing many many things and I got to different experience uh, not just marketing but also sales uh, operations and all that kind of thing so I got a gist of how can a person a normal person run his own company I, I sort of understand how, how the whole thing works so after that I because at the point of time my mindset was I, was I wanted to generate passive income for myself and then there was this very interesting person. Because, you know, at, at the workshop, they will always ask you, like, what's your goal? What do you hope to achieve uh, from the stock market? And then I, I told him, I said, by the end of the four years, I, by the end of uni, at the part of time, I'm going to hit like 100K in savings, la, or at least, at least my bank account. After this person, he asked me, why not try, try within one year? Aha, then then got me uh, thinking into how can I start uh, growing my income faster, Maybe not through stocks, but maybe through other means as well. And that's when I decided I used to use my skill, the marketing skill, to sell that service to uh, other companies. Yeah, so that was how I actually started. And uh, long story short, uh, so I went through a bit of journey, trying to find my niche and all that kind of thing. Then eventually I, I found out that actually stocks is kind of my passion. Marketing is what I, I like also. So I just decided to niche down in that area. 
Okay, so the whole journey journey started in NS. Was it then when you started? End of NS. After I owed, yeah. Okay, so before entering uni, you were sort of trying to see what you could do, trying to find that passive source of income, and that's how you got I was started. Doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of things. I was trying like YouTube, uh, like vlogging. Okay. <laughs> trying to monetize that YouTube uh, channel. I tried to do affiliate marketing, Shopify, dropshipping, Amazon, FBA. I don't have heard of it. Uh, many, many weird things. Lah. I also started, uh, I tried selling video services as well because at, a, at that time, I suddenly knew how to shoot uh, a bit of video. So I tried to sell okay. some wedding videos. Uh, but eventually, I also realized that that wasn't really my passion. Like, if I would take on a new project, a wedding project, I would kind of dread it. So that's why I knew that that, that actually isn't my, my um, okay. passion. Well, walk us through some of those experiences and what you learned from them. Okay, so I started with my YouTube channel. Uh, I started with two other guys. It's, it's about finance. Lah. Okay. So we kind of did like at least, I think like one, two months. We tried to monetize the channel, but it was really damn tiring because I was a video editor. There were the, there were the, the guys planning the content and, and whatsoever. So for me, it was them, I was like burnt out. Like every, every day I was editing stuff. And I felt that I couldn't do this for a long while. Lah. It's like, it was only a period of time before I burned out. So I was like, uh, yeah, I think it only, and then I said, I only had, we only had, uh, we also did some affiliate from that. So we interviewed some people and then get them to drop their link, their, their link to their uh, website to buy stuff. And we only got one sale, like, it's pathetic. It's less than, less than 100 bucks. <laughs> okay. So we just skipped that. Then I moved on, I tried Amazon FBA. So it's basically uh, Amazon for fulfillment by Amazon. So basically, we buy products from uh, suppliers and then list it on Amazon and then, then get, people get to buy from there. So I wouldn't say that isn't really a failure because I didn't really go very, very deep. But I saw that it was a huge risk for my side because we had to place a bulk order from, from, from a supplier in China, buy it probably with like uh, a few grand. Then I listed. So that was a huge risk for me then. At the point of time, I, wasn't, I was quite new to business. I, wouldn't, I wasn't willing to take on that risk. So we dabbled a bit, did some research, then decided to put it aside. Then after that, I decided to sell video services. So I was doing videos for small SMEs, weddings, and that kind of things. Got some okay money, but again, I was dreading every project. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was dreading every project. So sooner or later, I, I decided to throw it aside. Yeah, then after that, slowly, I went into marketing lah. I decided to go deeper into marketing, generate leads online. And I could see like, I could help companies grow or at least could help companies get, get sales by what I do. So that was something like intriguing like, because if I generate better leads, I generate more leads for them, which means that will translate more into sales for them. And as a result, I also get paid pretty decently. So that was kind of my, my interest at that point of time. Then slowly, I, I was... I was like trying to sell marketing services to like dentists. I tried a lot of things. Dentists, gyms, uh, like anything. Like literally any business out there, I'll try to approach them. And then I realized it was a no-go because if you sell to everybody, you're selling to nobody. Mm. That is the marketing thing. So yep. I decided to get a coach. Then he helped me to streamline my niche. And then I decided, that, okay, this, this is what my passion is. Uh, what I'm pretty familiar with as well. And so dive into that. Yeah. So have you always been 
so like entrepreneurial and wanting to do your own stuff or how did that thought came about? It was only during the startup because I interned at two different startups, both were pretty much in the same industry. And the thing about startups is sometimes even as an intern or a employee, right? Sometimes they, if you're in a marketing or sales role, sometimes the, the pay can be not bad, especially when you generate results for them. Mm. So I even as an intern, I think the boss was pretty nice. Um, he put me in position where I was, so long I generate results for them, I will get paid accordingly to what a, a normal marketer would, would be paid. So because right now I'm like results oriented, results driven. Like I'm basically I'm working for myself. If I, I want more income, I, I just have to work on myself and then generate for, for the company. And everyone out there, everyone in the company was also very entrepreneurial. And as a marketer at that company, I was not only doing marketing, I was doing helping with sales, I was helping with operations, I was helping, I mean, not so much into accounting, but I at least got a broad sense of how the whole company worked. And then I realized that it was actually quite doable. But until I realized, I stepped into the real world. <laughs> it's, it's doable, but not so easy. It's, it's uh, harder than, than I originally thought. So that startup experience was really what got you interested in the whole idea of like doing your own things and how you first stepped into the marketing world? Yeah, sort of. And the guy who asked me how if I could make 100k within a year. So that, that, that question got me really I started. See. Got the engine so, so that guy was yeah. part of the startup? The guy was actually a student of the education company. Ah, I see, I see. Okay, yeah. so... After that, which segment of marketing did you um, specialize in or like how you generated sales for the companies that you work for? For me, I, because right now I have a team of two, so we do handle a few things. Uh. So one is of course paid traffic, which means I run uh, Facebook, Google ads, basically drive leads, I get leads to sign up for their product and uh, yeah. That's one part. Then we also do CRM management, email marketing in general, and also like videos, ad creatives, and all that kind of things. So right now, we are also branching into another... Because right now, we niche down, right? We are very clear on who our prospects and ideal clients are. So we are trying to extend our services as well. We not only provide marketing, but we also provide uh, systems trainings. For example, if let's say we were to provide leads for, for our clients, right? Then probably from, uh, from that point of view, there'll be a lack of information as to how these leads come in, um, how do we get these leads and turn them into to customers, yeah. all the customer support. So we're also trying to expand our services and also help the, the client with their business model and all their contacts. So right now, it's not so much of an agency, but it's more of like a consulting already. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of like the usual techniques or like the strategies that have proven to be effective? For marketing-wise? Yeah, for marketing-wise. Okay, so for marketing-wise, uh, for us is, I would say uh, a few ways, right, on how we can get sales numbers. Of course, webinars. Usually it's webinars. Uh, usually we drive these to webinars, the speaker will, will from there close a sale. That is a proven way to convert leads to sales but of course the speaker has to be able to sell well so it's kind of takes two hands to clap and also the marketing message has to be very congruent i cannot be like my marketing message i say i say a and then on the sales webinar he says b so there has to be a very basically the message has to be aligned for the close or for the sale to be made easier so that's one 
of course there can be other types of funnels like you can sell books then after that upsell a few other other products it can also be a subscription model basically you get people in and then join uh, some sort of mastermind group and then it's, it's recurring so there are diff- a few different models generally speaking i would say so long you understand what a customer wants so long you can help our customers get to where they want to be i would say the offer can be very dy- dynamic it doesn't have to be a, a fixed way so yeah copywriting and research matters a lot okay so having been able to sort of establish a position in the market through what you do now, right? What would your advice be for someone who wants to pursue a similar path like you? It depends. I think if you're a person who just started out, I think a good advice for that person would be to dive into mass first, which means don't be afraid of trying different things out. Because the first business I started wasn't, isn't the existing business that I'm running right now. So it's a lot about diving into different, different things. And then, Maybe this particular uh, part of this business interests you. It could be marketing, it could be sales, it could be systems, it could be ops, whatever, right? But what you first started out might not be something that you carry on later on. So I think my advice for this uh, group of people that have just started or are planning to start is to dive into different things, try as many things as possible, and then from there, uh, you optimize your, your way through. Yeah, that would be and, my advice. And how would you decide? Um, whether it's the way to go. Is it uh, like how, over how long a period is a suitable time to gauge your interest level or you, you, you get what I mean? Like how should someone know whether it's truly what they want? I would say, okay, as, as speaking, I, I I'll speak for myself. Um, how I know that marketing is really my interest, copywriting, advertising is my interest is I wouldn't mind staying up uh, to 12 a.m. I, I don't mind waking up at 7 a.m., 1 to 12 a.m. And I read everything about marketing. That, that's where I know that that's my passion. Like, I wouldn't feel, oh, it's boring. Uh, I have to force myself. It should come naturally. If you find yourself uh, having to dive deeper and then you kind of uh, reject it or you feel uh, kind of lazy sometimes, then maybe you think, uh, maybe you slow down and think deeper. It is what you really want. Yeah, so at least, at least for me, I think that's how I gauge my, my interest. And over how long of a period do you pursue that, that direction? About one year. So far, it's about one year. One year plus. Okay. Because yeah. some people sort of like, they try a bit here, then after a while, then they just jump here and there. Right? So, so that's why I asked that question. But uh, you also mentioned copywriting as one of your strengths, I, I believe. So, because mm-hmm. I've been looking quite a bit into copywriting as well. So how do you get better at copywriting? Do you attend courses? Do you write on a consistent basis or how, how do you get started at becoming better at copywriting? I would say copywriting, okay, for me, it was over a period of time before I uh, got better at copywriting. I would say I'm good, la. I would say I, I think I'm decent. But I first started out is, I just write like usual copy. It's like so easy to write, write a few paragraphs, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get some leads or whatever and you think that, okay, your copy is not bad. Uh, but actually there's a, a, a lot more into the psychological part of uh, marketing. But for me, when I started out, that was me, right? I was writing random copy, um, finding and modeling other ad copies I see online. That's my that's when I first started out. Um, how I moved to the next level is I also got mentored by a consultant like, at, at a company that I was interning at. So he also taught me how to write better copies. But basically, I know that you need a lot of practice. 
<laughs> you need a lot of practice. You keep writing. Uh, and also getting feedback. So you write, get someone to review for it. Either a person or you spend an ad and see other people convert. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so that's one. Then slowly, um, as you read more copywriting books, uh, I think majority of the copywriting books are quite old, like from those uh, 19 something ones, <laughs> which are pretty, pretty awesome. But I'll say how to apply all this is really you have to uh, really go and test. Uh. Like honestly, what to, to you, a good, uh, when you write a copyright, it might look good to you, it might sound good, uh, but when you put it out there, people, people might not convert. So that's, uh, you need a lot of execution and a lot of feedback. But I think when, which the next level for me is more of uh, the, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this concept called the big idea. Heard of it? You can, you can explain more. Okay. <laughs> so a big idea is basically when you write a copyright. For example, if I'm trying to sell this, uh, this pen, right? It's a, a, can you see? Okay, it's an Apple pen. So if let's say I'm trying to sell this pen, a normal copy would be like um, top three benefits, boring copy, uh, top three benefits of this Apple pen and how it can make your life easier. Something like that. But the next level of copywriting is when you're trying to sell a, a big idea of this pen or image of this pen. For example, if let's say, okay, let me give you one good example. If I am selling, okay, I have one good example. So if let's say I'm selling shoes, right? I'm Nike, right? I'm selling shoes. Uh, a typical marketer or like a average marketer would just write like the features of the, the shoes. But now when you look at Nike as a brand, as a shoe company, you don't just see a shoe. Right? They, you, you actually see the sportsmanship behind it, the, the grind, the just a bit. So that, that one's the next level of marketing really. And uh, it's how a marketer create, can create that image when you write a copy. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Another previous product I was selling is a like a neuro product. It's like a brain training kind of product, right? Where you listen to stuff and then it helps you focus a lot better. So a usual marketer, average marketer would say, okay, this product will help you focus better, blah, blah, blah. Top three ways or whatever, right? Very simple, kind of okay, will attract attention, but meh. So the next level would be when you try to sell the image of it. So the, how to sell the image, right? For example, I used, basically this to come a bit of research, lah, right? Basically, I, I, I brought in the idea of this method, right? Or this, uh, this product has been used, has been used since the Korean War and has been used to many, many people in, in the past. And this product right now, you can use it to have better focus, uh, sleep better, and all that kind of things. So this is, a, this is like the big idea, you know, you're, like, you're trying to make it a little bit more sexy, get people enticed, rather than just, you know, top three ways to blah, 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 right? It's ad adding the extra element of, and it's quite the big idea. Like, you have to see this product and you have to create an image out of it. True. Because like like there are a lot of like. articles nowadays just like top three ways to do this, do this, do this. Yeah. It's a bit boring. Yeah. And I think that's how you stand out. Like. Yeah. Okay. There's also something you mentioned earlier regarding the psychology of marketing, which was quite interesting. Do you mind elaborating a bit more about that? Okay. So, for example, I mean, psychology of marketing is more of a very simple baseline would be a, a simple introduction to it is how do you get people to take action? Uh, like it can be buying a product off your shop or in, uh, opting for something, right? So a few, two psychological elements is of course urgency and scarcity. This is the psychological part. If this product has uh, limited uh, products available, limited uh, 
very, very limited, right? Oh, it's a limited edition. We only got five left. And people will be, okay, I need to buy it now. This is some the psychological part. Other things of psychological marketing can be, uh, for example, let's say, okay, I give you, I give one example like COVID, right? Last time, pre-COVID, right? If let's say I'm trying to teach people how to make money online, for example, a usual hook or usual attention grabber is how you can make money online so that you can start working from home, blah, 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 right? And quit your job. That They kind of a marketing message. But right now, this COVID, it'll be very, very different. So to be relevant, basically, you have to look at COVID right now. Like what are people facing? This has to be some, some research done. So people right now are trying to have a job stability for entrepreneurs that are trying to make their business work. How do they get more sales? cash flow, profits, blah, 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 right? So instead of saying how to make money online, you can say how to survive this COVID crisis. Or you can also use fear-based marketing, for example. Right now, this is COVID, a recession might be coming, an impending doom might be coming. It's a bit of fear-based. Uh, some people like it, some people don't like it, but I would, I would prefer to use it uh, moderately lah, because it, it gets people to take action. So psychological marketing is also like a bit of relevancy um you have to be relevant to the customer don't be don't be tone deaf to, to your customers i think this part is really important yeah, and that's one of the psychological part of course there's like many other things like um why do people buy certain products this is quite interesting so let's say some people they like cups for example like empty glasses like those clear glasses like liquor you know they kind of things people don't buy the glass for or people don't buy the cup for the cup they buy it because it's pro- probably it's because it's simple, it looks elegant, and people buy because of that. So people buy not because people buy the product not because of the product, they buy it because of what that product does to them or why it makes them feel. This is a psychological part of marketing as well. Another example I can give you is Rolex watch versus let's say a Casio watch, the Army Boys one, right? So if I'm looking at I'm try- if I'm trying to sell Rolex watch. The, what Rolex is really selling is not a watch because people they don't buy Rolex to tell the time, right? <laughs> Honestly speaking, they don't buy Rolex to tell the time. Uh, they buy the watch for another reason, and that's why people buy certain things, right? And if you look deeper, what what Rolex is really selling is status. You buy Rolex, you feel good, and usually these are like salespeople or like high high level people, right? Or they feel like they made it already, and they want to like show it off, right? And if you wear a Rolex watch, the image that you're trying to Bring out right, it's like you want to show people, to, you want to show to the world that you have made it, you have done it, you've achieved some level of uh, success. That is what you are really buying. You're not buying a watch, right? So, contrary to, I mean, and um, if I look at Casio watch, people, I, I think people do buy Casio watch. That's just to tell the time. Uh. <laughs> I mean, army boys, right? Well, army, yeah, yeah. Watch to, to tell time. yeah, so it's very different, right? So, that is a psychological part why, why people buy certain products. They don't buy a, a watch just because they want to tell the time. They don't buy a watch because they want to watch. They want to feel good. They want to let the world. They want to tell the world that they've made it. So this is the psychological part. Uh, it's a bit deeper. Is it's not so much like features, benefits, all that kind of thing. It's a little bit yeah. deeper. It, which yeah. is the psychological part, which I really geek out a lot on. <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting. So it's it's basically how people don't really buy the item for what they believe it will do for them. It's like a subconscious thought kind of process. Yeah, it's, right? a, it's a subconscious, yeah. Yeah, so just now the first point you were touching on regarding scarcity, right? So what I realized is that a lot of companies nowadays, 
they tend to like oversell on that that aspect, meaning that they try to, you know, put the timers on the causes on how things will run out and like limited edition. Do you think it's overused at this point in time such that consumers are getting a bit immune to it? I would say in terms of overuse, I think so. In terms of whether consumers are aware, are aware I think so too. But it still works. <laughs> it still works, yeah. But probably to a lesser extent. But I mean, so long you look, you make it look credible. And I think most important, it has to be true as well. If not, it's just like, you're lying to people, which is, which is mm. not really good to the, to the brand or both to the, the, the potential customer, right? So uh, if you're doing like countdown timers or like five slots left, then I mean, it has to at least be true. Lah. Yeah. True. Okay. So do you have anything else that you would like to tell people about from your journey thus far at like st- starting your own business and how has this whole journey been like? I would say to people, okay, I, I can't speak to like entrepreneurs are doing well because I think I'm doing okay only. But I think for those people who are willing to or at least looking to start a business or you've just started out, it ain't bigger, aim big. Because for me, I've never thought that like this person, right? This person challenged me to make 100K within a year. And that got me thinking like, how do I do it? If I start a business and I try to make like, let's say one, two K a day, uh, one K, one, two K a month and I'm happy with it, then I will be pretty like, okay, I could be better. But this person asked me, why not try hundred K a, a year, right? And then you, that would expand your, your mind uh, to think much bigger. And that, that would really drive you towards, uh, to take bigger steps, to make bigger deals or think differently, right? So I think looking back, I'm glad that person asked me that question because I think a question really opens up your, your mind to it. But I would say, yeah, I think a big, uh, I mean, uh, an advice would be really, really to think big. Don't be afraid of uh, dreaming big. Very, very cliche. <laughs> but I think that's, that is really true. Yeah, it's a way to, to think big. Like, because I myself, I've, I've never thought that I'll be running a business, I will be hiring someone because that's not my nature. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that is my biggest advice, I think, think bigger. Okay. Right. So the last question I have is, what does success look like to you? Success look like? I would say as of now, probably it's still, at least at the surface level, because like young boys, right? We want to have that financial, we have like financial goals, financial income goals you want to hit. So at the surface level right now, would I think still be more to the monetary side. Uh, but I think at the next level would be fulfillment. Success would be like fulfillment. If I'm making decent money and I love what I do, I don't mind grinding to it even though I'm like already there. Then I think that is considered success because I think many people, they make decent money but they are unhappy with their life. Mm. So I think for me, that is what success looks like. And probably also, if I'm, be able, if I'm able to take myself out of the business, but now I'm still very into the business. Without me, the business would, would be haywire. So I think that part, yeah, so, so that is kind of what success looks like to me. At, at least as of now, probably the next couple of years. To, to make the business into a passive source of income of sorts. Yeah, for me, I just hope to 
they like the visionary give the team direction. I mean, right now I just only have one person. Like even if I give direction, I mean he's an intern also. So <laughs> if I give direction, I still have to like do things and yeah. like him. So yeah, that is what kind of success looks like to me. Okay, yeah, I really enjoyed the interview. I liked how you mentioned about thinking big, right? And you actually executing on your vision of of achieving hundred thousand a month. I look forward to your journey in achieving that and I hope we can meet soon and once this situation yeah. gets better. And yeah, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Cool. Thanks, Marcus. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Learning with Young Leaders. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show and visit sakoniorigino.com slash podcast for more resources based on today's topic. That's sakoniorigino.com slash podcast. Until next time, stay curious, keep learning.